We began last week a two-part series, and we'll finish tonight. And the title of the series series is GPS. GPS. Yes. And what does GPS stand for? God's positioning system. Yes. Uh, How many people have a GPS in their car? A global positioning system. Absolutely. Yeah, well, well, the title of our series is GPS, and our, God, our G stands for God's positioning system. And we're, we're meditating on the reality that God has prepared a path for your life before you were born. And if you will follow Him, He will direct you to the fulfillment of your destiny. And He will direct you to the right place at the right time to do the right thing. And that's our confession for 2012. We're at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Right? So we're meditating on the reality of God's destiny for our lives. And when we talk about destiny, we're talking about the path that God has called us to walk. That leads us to the place God has called us to stand. To do the work God has called us to do and become the people God has called us to be. Let me say that again. When we talk about destiny, we're talking about walking the path that God has called us to walk, has prepared us to walk. To do the work, excuse me, to to take us to the place God has called us to stand and to do the work God has called us to do and become the people God has called us to be. So let's continue with our foundational text, which was in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And as you're turning there, I'm going to turn there. And I'm going to pray after I get there. Can you find Ephesians with your eyes closed? Let's pray. Father, do what you want to do tonight and say what you want to say. We're here because you're our God and you've saved us and you've filled us with your life and your strength and your joy and your peace. We're here because there is no other God but you. And Father, we love you more than anyone and more than anything. Be glorified in this house. Let the light of your word shine brightly in our hearts that we would know the hope of your calling, the glorious riches of our inheritance in you, and the surpassing greatness of your power that is in us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I think my microphone is on in the monitors, which we don't normally do that at this time. Thank you. There we go. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Do you believe that? It's true. I hope you believe it because it's true. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. One more time, Ephesians 2.10 from the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand 
for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. Why? That we should walk in them. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. The scriptures say that we should walk in them. Which tells us that walking in them is not automatic. That the paths that God has prepared ahead of time do not automatically happen. Very important to understand that. And last week we compared a global positioning system with God's positioning system. And we looked at the three main segments of a global positioning system. The first segment of the global positioning system that we looked at was satellites. And satellites provide the signal from above. And in God's system, we need a signal from above. A signal that is high above this earth. High above the noise and the traffic and the philosophies and the ways of man. And that signal is God's word and God's spirit. The second part that we looked at, the second segment of the system, were receivers. Receivers are are that little uh, piece of hardware that you have in your car. A receiver receives the signal from above and broadcasts the picture of what that signal is saying. We found that in God's system, we are the receivers. We receive God's word, his signal from above. We receive his spirit. We internalize it. We meditate on it. We practice it. We walk it out each day. And we begin to broadcast a picture of who he is in our lives. And when people look at us, they see people who are fulfilling their destiny, people who have a joy and a peace and a confidence that is not of this world. And the third segment that we looked at was ground stations. In a GPS, a ground station is on the ground. It's not high above the earth. It's where you live. And the purpose of that ground station is to make sure the system's working properly. In God's system, the ground station is your local church. It's where you live. And when we read the Word of God, we see that He has called us to assemble together publicly on a regular basis. And the purpose of this local church that God has called you to is to strengthen you that you might grow in your relationship with Him, in your love towards Him, and in your love towards others. So that's what we talked about in a nutshell last week. But if you were not here, please get the message. You can download it on iTunes. You can get the CD in the bookstore so you can uh, fully experience uh, both messages together. All right. So tonight we want to talk about activating God's positioning system in your life and avoiding the roadblocks and the detours of this world. Activating God's position. Why do I have to activate it? It is very commonly believed that God's will is automatically done in the earth. Very commonly believed and commonly taught from pulpits across America. However, the Bible does not teach that. God's will, the sovereign Lord, Adonai Jehovah, His will is not automatically done in the earth. We see that very clearly in the Bible. Many things in the Bible were not God's will at all. Many things that people did, that the devil did. We see in the ministry of the Son of God, the true and living God, the living Word, that when he was asked how to pray, he taught his disciples and therefore he taught us, for we are his disciples. He said this, this is how you should pray. Pray in this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is high above and holy. Your name is the sum of all that is good and right. And then he said, thy kingdom come Thy will be done where? Where you live. Right here. Planet earth. Just as it 
is in heaven. If God's will was done on the earth, Jesus would have had no need to pray that prayer. Right? Jesus never wasted a word. Everything he said was, was truth. So he's letting disciples know that I'm here to enforce the will of God on the earth, and so are you. It does not automatically happen. Pray the will of God in the earth. Pray the kingdom of God in the earth. So we've got to activate this system in our lives. We can't assume that everything that's going on in our lives is God's will for us. That would be a wrong assumption. We can't assume that everything we've been through was God's will for us. We can't assume right now that we're in the center of His will for us. But God wants you to know for sure. He wants you to know as sure as one and one or two, as sure as your first name is before your last name, that you're in the center of His purpose for your life. And if you're not, tonight you can take that first step. So what is it that activates God's positioning system in your life? Would you please turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. This thing's not automatic. We're the ones who have to turn it on. God's put it in place. God's made all the preparations. But it's up to us to turn it on. And we're going to turn it on tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Verse 9, one of, the, one of the first verses, maybe in the first 10 passages that I've ever, ever memorized about 23 years ago. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run. Everyone say run. run. Why do we run? Because we want to get somewhere. Because we're passionate about being where we want to go. Right? Well, God is passionate about this. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong in behalf of everyone. What? What do you mean no? Oh, wait a minute. I, I should have read, read further. In behalf of the patriots. Let's skip the NFL drama. Let's read the word. All right. In behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Let me read you some other translations. One translation says, in behalf of them whose heart is completely his. Me too. In behalf of them whose heart is fully committed to him. The New King James says, whose heart is loyal to him. The New Century Version says, the Lord searches all the earth for people who have given themselves completely to him. He wants to make them strong. The message says, God is always on the alert. He's the sleepless one. God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to Him. Hallelujah. 
It is the attitude of our heart that activates the plan of God for our lives. How does God know that our heart is completely His? How does He know that? Is there a little meter that He reads? Well, God knows everything. Let me ask it this way. What evidence can we demonstrate to prove to God that our heart is completely His? Our actions. The way we live. The way we behave. The way we walk. The way we talk. Our actions. What if I asked you this question? How does your spouse know you love them? How does your wife know you love her? How does your husband know you love him? How does your family know you love them? It's by our actions, isn't it? Right? It's by our actions. I know my wife loves me. She demonstrates it to me every day. She makes our bed every day. That's nice. I mean, I had to do it in basic training in the Navy, and I, but, but she does it for me. Isn't that nice? That's love. It is. Do you know love moves me to discipline my life to make her life better? If she tells me there's something that needs fixed at home, an alert goes off inside of me. I don't care if it's a light bulb out. In fact, love has moved me to put systems in place in my home. An inventory, a maintenance log. I have light bulb. I, I, we got a lot of different kind of light bulbs in our home. So I had to make a list of those things. Because I want her to have light. I don't want to have to, her to wait for a week to get a light bulb put in. Love. We had a period of a couple of months there in November, December. We had appliances Acting funny on us. The dishwasher went out. And that dishwasher is a blessing to my wife. I had to make six or seven phone calls. I was probably on the phone about an hour and a half or so trying to figure out how we could get that thing fixed. And then I had to, I had to uh, call the vendor. It was only a year old. So it was a two-part. The, the parts were two-year warranties. Labor and service was one. It was a little bit over that time. So I had to, I had to uh, obtain uh, different copies for the vendor and had to do all these kinds of things. It took a lot of time. Why? Because I love my wife. See? So our actions demonstrate to the Lord how much we love Him. Now, I think oftentimes Christians shy away from talking about this aspect of love because of condemnation. Because we all know that we've made mistakes in our lives. But thank God for His grace. Right? God's not a cruel taskmaster. Keeping tally of your errors. Right? His, his commandments are not burdensome. Right? His yoke is easy. His load is light. But in speaking of love, the one who is love said this to His disciples in John chapter 14. In verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's love in an, right there. We find when we look at the Bible that love is a verb. 
All the DC talk fans say, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. In fact, in 1 John, ah, what is it? Chapter 5, verse 20, somewhere in there. It says, for this is love for God, that we keep his commandments. I like that. So we do, God can tell if our heart belongs completely to him by the way we act. But now it's interesting to note that our actions are really only the surface of who we are. Just the tippy top. In fact, if you were to draw a pyramid with three levels that was symbolic of a human being, the very top point would be actions. And the middle tier would be values. And the foundational level would be beliefs. In other words, our actions come from our values. What we value moves us to act. Our values come from what we believe. So when we become disciples of Christ, we say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And therefore, you're Lord of my heart. And therefore, you're Lord of my beliefs. Therefore, you're Lord of my values. And therefore, you're Lord of my actions. Did you follow that? Our actions demonstrate Our love for Him. The heart is the mainspring. The heart is where our beliefs live. It's where our beliefs are born. It's where they come to life and flourish or wither and die. It's all in there. And it's out of those beliefs that we determine what's important in life, not God. I can choose to believe that the NFL is the most important thing in my life. And sit there every Sunday and watch football for eight hours. That's a, if that was a belief that I have, it would be a, a wasteful one because it's not all there is, right? I'm still, I'm still looking forward to the Super Bowl. Patriots will beat the Giants, you know. <laughs> Confession of faith. <clears throat> Any score predictions? Keep our minds on the word. So in our heart, we choose to believe the word of God. Because we're Christians. Now you realize there are many people in the world who don't believe that. You might find there are many Christians who really don't know the word of God. But we're disciples of Christ here at FCC. That means when we made Jesus the Lord of our lives, we chose to take God at his word. And God's word says, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So we have internalized that belief that God is good. In fact, we believe in our hearts, the mainspring of our lives, that every good thing bestowed, every perfect gift, comes from Him. 
We believe that according to his word, there is no variation with him. He's not good on Sunday and bad on Monday. There's no variance, no shifting shadow. We believe according to the word of God in Psalm 5 that he does not take pleasure in wickedness. That no evil dwells with him. We believe according to the word of his son in John 10.10 that his purpose for our lives is life abundantly. That we would have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. That's what we believe. So if there are any other thoughts that, that try to enter our hearts, we do not accept them regardless of who might bring them our way. Because we believe that God is good. And we believe with the psalmist in Psalm 103 that he has forgiven all of our sins. He's healed all of our diseases. He's redeemed our life from destruction. He's crowned us with love and compassion. And he satisfies our desires with good things. He daily loads us with benefits. That's what we believe. Where did I get all that from? Just scriptures. That's just what God says about himself in the Word. So we believe these things. What happens when you meditate on these things? You begin to value God. See, out of all these beliefs of I'm taking God at his word, I'm internalizing who he is, and these beliefs begin to gel and mold and form a foundation inside of me, and values start to grow from them. And now God becomes more important to me than anyone else. And I begin to value who he is more than I value anything. And I say with the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 72, truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. I say with the psalmist, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. So now I'm valuing the word of God more than anything or anyone in this world. So from my beliefs have grown my values. And now I begin to act with the psalmist. And I begin to say, I have restrained my feet. These are my actions. I've restrained my feet from every evil way. That I might keep thy word. Psalm 119 verses 101 through 105. I have not departed from thy judgments. Why? Because I value you. I don't care what anybody else says. You say this is right and therefore it's right. For thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 32. I run in the path of your commandments. For you have set my heart free. Beliefs, values, action. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro to activate his plan 
in the lives of those whose heart are completely His. So as we're here tonight, I want you to locate yourself. Don't say anything out loud. Don't tell anybody anything. But it's important to know where we are. If you don't know where you are, you can't get where you need to be. Right? And one sure way to know where you are is how do you live? Sometimes in an effort to communicate grace, we don't talk about this. And there's all kinds of things that I've seen in 23 years go on in churches that are absolutely shameful. If you want to know where you're at in your relationship with God, how do you act? Why do you make the decisions that you make? Now, if you want to activate this positioning system, there's no condemnation. You might realize tonight, you know what? God, I've given you about 23% of my life and of my heart. But you can change that right now. You see, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words are essential to God's plan. So I can change where I am by speaking his word in my life. I can begin to speak the scriptures that I just shared with you or many, many others. I can begin to speak those over my life. And what ends up happening, it's a cycle. I begin to speak the word of God in my life. I begin to tell him I love him and I value him, even if I feel like I don't. Even if I feel like I could care less if I ever come to church again. I begin to say, God, I love you. God, I choose you over every area of my life. Even if there's no evidence of this in my life, other than what I'm saying right now. I begin to say these things. I make my mouth worship him. I make my tongue bless his name. I say, God, you're great. God, you are you and you alone are God. And you made me and you have a purpose for my life and I love you. What am I doing? I'm speaking words. And guess what? Those words are going into my ears. And they're going down into my heart. And I'm building a foundation that's going to produce values. And if I stay with it, the actions will follow. Isn't that wonderful? It's really simple. It's really simple. And eventually, if I stay with it, Matthew 6.33 becomes my method of operation. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness And all these things will be added to you. So now, I've been worshiping God daily. I've been speaking His Word. I've been telling Him how much I love Him. And all of a sudden now, a decision comes up. On my job. And before, I would say, well, how much are you going to pay me? Or what's what's the hours? But now, I don't do that. All of a sudden, I'm listening inside and say, Father, what should I do? I want what you want. And now, and now you start making every decision, not based on how you feel, but on what he wants. And now you're on the path. Now God can move you forward and not before. See? So this Christian life is really about the heart, isn't it? It's about all of our heart. And he is the Lord of our heart. Now, once you're on that path for him, see, your your love for him will lead the way. Your love for, your desire to please him will lead the way. 
But you've got to be aware that activating the plan with, with give, by giving him your whole heart is important, but there are roadblocks and detours out there. All right. So let's talk about some of these roadblocks and detours. Ro- the three roadblocks I want to share with you, they're the biggest ones. I don't know anything that can, that can block God's plan for your life more than these three. And they are fear, unbelief, and worry. Now we began tonight, our second scripture that we read, I think was Second Chronicles 16.9. Let's go back to that chapter if you've, if you've turned away from it. And let's see why, that's, why that word of, came forward from the Lord. We're talking about roadblocks. Fear, unbelief, worry. Well, in Second Chronicles chapter 16, I'm going to uh, just summarize it for you for time's sake. But Asa is now king of Judah. He's in his 36th year. And Basha is king of Israel. And the king of Israel comes against the king of Judah. God's people fighting against each other. Sad, huh? Not God's will, is it? But it's in the Bible. There's a lot of things in the Bible. That aren't God's will. Right? We've got to know the word. So he comes against Asa. And Asa, he he takes silver and gold out of the treasures of the house. Verse 2 of the Lord. And he sends them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. (laughs) And he he sends them because he wants wants Ben-Hadad to send his armies against Israel. For his safety. And Benadad, in verse 4, he listens to him. He sends his armies against Israel, and Israel withdraws from Judah. That takes us to verse 6. Well, let's skip down to verse 7. So you know where we are, you understand what's going on. Asa is the king of Judah. Armies are coming against him. He sends money to a neighboring king to fight his battle for him. Because he's afraid or worried or in unbelief or all the above. And look what happens in chapter 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly by trusting in man instead of the Lord. From henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a good place to repent, right? Good place to say, fall on my face, say, God, forgive me. Does Asa do that? No. Asa was wroth with the seer. Mad at the pastor. And put him in a prison house. For he was in a rage with him because he told him the truth. And Asa oppressed, and he doesn't stop there, he oppressed the people at the same time. And the acts of Asa, if you look down in verse 12, an exceeding great disease comes upon him. 
And that's about all. And even in that, it says in verse 12, until his disease was exceeding great, yet his, in his disease, he sought not the Lord. But the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers. What a way to go. So in the world that we're living in, there are roadblocks. There are things that will come against you to try and produce fear in you, to try and get you to question God's provision for your life, to try and get you to worry and be anxious about what might happen. There's one way to remove those roadblocks, and that's put the Word of God in your mouth and believe it in your heart. When fear comes to you, whatever it might be, about who your friends, what your friends think of you, uh, where you're going to work, uh, how you're going to be provided for, if you're going to ever have a home, whatever it might be, when fear, and you can feel it, because there's no peace with it. it, it's troublesome, it's troublesome, and it's trying, it's trying to get you to stop. Traveling that path. When it comes, you simply resort to the word of God. Psalm 27, 1 is a great one. right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I speak that with my mouth. And I believe it in my heart and I worship God that it's so in my life. Unbelief. When unbelief, God's not, you know, God's never done this for anyone before. So-and-so went through the same thing and you know what happened to them. Unbelief comes. Doubt comes. Roadblock in the way. And what do I say? I look at Romans chapter 4 and I say that God is faithful to his word to do what he has promised. That he gives life to the dead. That he calls things that are not as though they were. That according to Mark 11, 22 through 24, I believe that I have received it and it is mine. Worry. What was, do, you, do you know how much money you're going to need for this? Do you know what's going to ha- need to happen in order for you to come out on top in this situation? I cast the whole of my care, 1 Peter 5, 7. All my anxieties, all my worries, all my concerns, once and for all on Him because He cares for me affectionately and cares about me watchfully. So we remove these roadblocks from God's path of our lives by speaking His Word and believing His Word in our heart. What about the detours? Let's move on to the detours. Let's hit some of the biggies. Offense. I've seen Christians in my time of the Lord in 23 years shut off from their destiny. They shut themselves off from their destiny because they were offended by someone. They were detoured from the life that God had planned for them because someone said something to them they shouldn't have said or didn't say something to them that they wanted them to say. Offense. And that would, that would always amaze me because you see, when your heart belongs to Him, And you're making every decision based on him. 
You're not coming to church for everyone to tell you how much they, they, they love you and appreciate you. It's not pat me on the back day every Sunday, right? No, you're making a decision that really has nothing to do with who comes to church. You're making a decision to come here because God's called you here. And you love him more than any. You value him. You value his ways. You value his thoughts. And you know that he wants you here. So you're coming to love him, to receive from him, to worship him, and to love others as he loves them. So it really doesn't matter what anyone does or says. Right? So when your heart's completely his, you'll notice that offense kind of just rolls off you like a duck. The water off a duck's back. You know? Offense. So what do I do? How do we fix this offense thing? Well, well Colossians 3, it's the word. It's this thing. It's always, the word fixes everything, doesn't it? It just fixes every single problem. I like having one solution for everything. I like that. I like my answer in one place. Colossians 3, 12 through, through 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Here's where I, I demonstrate to God that my heart is completely His. I act on this word. I forgive. Doesn't matter what they've done. Kick my cat. Rooted for the giants. Doesn't matter. I forgive. Right? I forgive them. Right? And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. See? So I meditate on that word. I speak it into my life. I clothe myself with these things. And what, what starts happening, I begin to act on it. See? I begin to value living this way. Misleading information is another detour. Wrong doctrine. Time's sake, I'm going to give you the reference on that. Hebrews 1.3. Jesus clearly demonstrated to us what the will of God is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And if anyone comes to you contradicting what Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels and Acts, don't buy it. Stay with him. Another detour, ignorance, ungodly thinking. You might find, if you're unfamiliar with the Word of God, as you read the Word of God, there are some things that you've been believing that really aren't scriptural. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says to renew our minds. Don't be conformed. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't think like CNN thinks. Right? Don't think like the world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able... Excuse me. Um, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is it that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is? His good, pleasing, and perfect will? Yeah. I skipped something, didn't I? Or is that it? Well, that, well that's good anyway. It's, I think it's in verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Look it up. The last one I want to get to before we close. Detour. Biggie. Are you ready? Other options. Other options to obeying God. Now, I have thoroughly enjoyed 
walking with the Lord. Because as a disciple of Christ, we only have one option in life. To obey Him. So I don't choose where I live. I don't choose where I go to church. I don't choose where I work. I don't choose who my friends are. I simply obey him. Now, Satan, by the way, the author of these roadblocks and detours, he is the presenter of other options. He did it all throughout the scriptures. He started in the garden, right? And he came to Eve and he said, I give you, I, I, you know, there's something you need to know about this, that if you eat this, you're going to become like God. That's in the fine print. God didn't tell you that. And I've watched Christians derailed from God's plan for their life because of an opportunity that came up. I've got a job opportunity in another state. It's paying me a lot more and and, and we're moving. What does having a job opportunity have to do with moving? So really, what are they making that decision based on? The leading of the Holy Spirit? Or the salary they're going to be receiving? We're not like that. We're disciples of Christ. We don't choose to move somewhere because there's more opportunity there. Or there's a lower cost of living. Or real estate sell, you know, a better deal on a home. We don't do that. No, we live where God tells us to live. See? And we know that he's going to prosper us right here. No matter what the cost of living is, we're going to live well here. Wherever he's called us. So beware of these roadblocks and these detours of offense, and and these presentations of other options in your life. And make every decision based on pleasing Him. Father, a job has come to me, and uh, you know with our offering, you know everything about it. What do you want me to do? What do you want for my life? Father, I'd really like to move to Colorado. And root for the Broncos. But what do you want for my life? What do you want for my life? We want to walk the path that God has called us to walk, right? Which will take us to the place He's called us to stand. To do the work He's called us to do. To be the people He's called us to be. Because God has prepared a path for our lives. And if we'll follow Him, He'll direct us to the right place. At the right time to do the right thing. Say this with me. Father God, I choose to believe that you are good. Nothing is better than your plan for my life. I choose to believe that you love me. That you're my provider. You're my wisdom. You're my strength. And by your word. By your spirit and by your grace, you are leading me in victory 24-7. I'm at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for your positioning system. For your word and your spirit, Lord, for the church that you've called us to, we thank you that we have the privilege of gathering here publicly.
and demonstrating to the world around us how good you are. You've put a song in our hearts, Lord God. And we love you. And we have chosen to believe every word that you have spoken. And our belief in you has produced these values inside of us. We value your will for our lives more than anything. And therefore we act. When you speak, we act. Because we love you. Father, I pray for your people tonight. Your, Your precious, chosen, dearly beloved saints. In this place and within the sound of my voice. Father, that you would quicken your people with the light of your word through your spirit. That in your people would grow a hunger and a thirst to please you above all else. That you would be the only consideration in the decisions that we make. What do you want us to do? We thank you, Father, that we hear your voice. We know your voice. And we obey your voice. You're our Father. Your yoke is easy. Your load is, li- your load is light. Your commandments are not burdensome. We thank you for by your grace, by your spirit, equipping us to walk this thing all the way through. And to cross the finish line with our heads held high and our hands lifted up, giving you all the glory. In Jesus' name.